listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I got to tell you something, people. Joanne won a trip through work to Jamaica, so we're gone at the end of uh, March. And the thing is, since I moved back to New Jersey, I put on like 15 pounds. And it's weird because in, when I lived in Burbank, I walked everywhere. I would walk to the mall and I kept the weight off. And in New Jersey, nobody walks. Like I'll take a walk and I'll see like two guys and they all look like they're on their third DUI. So I started going to the gym again. And I must tell you, the gym sucks. Anyway, we have a great show. Uh, my guest is a great actor and uh, he's a teacher and his character on Ray Donovan is one of my favorite on TV. In the beginning of this season, he was on and I go to Joanne, I'm like, Stu Feldman's back, Stu Feldman's back. I got to get him on my show. And I do have him on my show. My guest is Josh Pice. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, are, are you a gym guy? Because you look fit. Am I what? A gym guy. Do you go to the gym? Uh, I do. Well, I started doing yoga when I was six years old. Because uh, my mom was into it and she got me into it. So that's been um, a steady thing throughout my life. Um, I, I do go to the gym um, from time to time, but I would say, you know, yoga is my jam. Okay. And, uh, and I, I actually enjoy it. Uh, it just, it, it, uh, it's just great for, great for my mood and, um, you know, I just feel a sense of responsibility with this career uh, that I've chosen to, you know, have my body as uh, accessible to me as possible. Now, you said your mom got into yoga at a young age, and I know your mom was a painter and a poet, and you, you guys grew yep. up in New York City. Did that help you follow the path to acting? Like, what was your childhood like when you have a creative person who actually is very before her time saying, hey, go to yoga, because yoga wasn't big until, I mean, it was always popular, but it wasn't really big until like 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in uh, an area of New York called Alphabet City, which uh, at the time was pretty much the most dangerous part of New York. Um, it was drug filled, uh, it was, you know, acid and heroin were everywhere. Um, but, and, it, and for anybody coming into the neighborhood that wasn't part of it, they were putting their life in their hands. But if you were part of the neighborhood, as I was, you had a, uh, a sense of protection. And there was also this amazing sense of creativity and community and full expression on the streets. Like, people just, there was no holding back. And and the police at that time, they just didn't want this craziness, <clears throat> excuse me, to spread uh, west of First Avenue. And so the police, all they could do was try to contain what was happening in that area so that it didn't, Bread. So part of that also included, like in our home, we had shows, they were called, and every, it was pretty much every two weeks, um, about 40 people would come and do, it was, I guess, performance art, you would call it, and people would, you know, there was a taxi driver that would come and do, um, you know, he would do like different characters and different people would do, you know, and there were some actors, there were just people that were stoned, <laughs> uh, just, you know, just kind of coming and participating in these shows. And I, and I was very much involved in that. And I wasn't thinking as a kid, oh, I want to be an actor. It was just, that was in my environment and I was into it. So, um, and also... You know, I would say just being immersed with the characters of that neighborhood growing up, um, you know, just it, like so rich for an actor, you know, just just the, you know, the craziest, uh, most passionate, um, you know, lovely, violent, everything kind of people um 
my answer is yes. You know, I think that um, that was a very uh, rich and ideal, even though at the time it was challenging at times because, you know, I did feel, I did feel like, you know, I was walking in danger um, every day coming home from school. Um, but nonetheless, it was just, uh, you know, looking back on it, it couldn't have been a richer uh, childhood. Now, when you, you grew up in that great environment, very creative environment, when you got into high school, did you start taking, you know, getting involved in school plays? Or was that something you weren't really interested in because you had such yeah. a different upbringing? Yeah, no, I, I, I did, um, I did some plays and, um, and really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, on the flip side, so my mom was total freedom, creativity, whatever, no boundaries. And my dad was a theoretical physicist who worked with Einstein. And so his, um, and my parents were divorced, as, as you can imagine, with that combo. Um, and my dad, you know, my dad was very, you know, structured and very organized and, and kind of a, a very much an opposite. And he really encouraged me to go into the sciences. And I was, I did have a lot of interest in animal behavior. And so he really... You know, he was able to just let me assist, hook me up and, and let me assist some different animal behaviorists just doing like small things in the lab. Um, and so that was really interesting to me. But um, but ultimately, I couldn't see myself, you know, working in a lab and um, and really acting. My perspective on acting is it really is animal behavior right um so you know so really the two uh melded and and i'll be featuring in the background the sounds of los angeles which is uh the um constant sound of blowers i don't know if you can hear that i can't but, hear um, it but you know what's funny I, I lived in burbank for years and i lived right off glen oaks which is the main road between you know one of them in burbank and i would always hear police sirens or we live next to a senior home so we'd always hear you know ambulances and now when right. i moved I, i'm 10 minutes outside philly but i'm in the suburbs and my first year back I, it was freaking me out because i never heard sirens and you just you forget you i mean i would fall asleep to them or i'd wake up at like two in the morning and go oh i wonder if that's one of my friends who just got pulled over for dui right right so well, maybe you need to create a new sleep app i know sirens <laughs> exactly. So now you're in urban, New York. Urban sound. Exactly. Yeah. That's perfect. We, you, I, I have the idea. So you're you're in New York, and you're in New York, which is good because if you want to pursue acting, I know so many people who are you know from Nebraska and they have to choose L.A. or New York. When did you start pursuing your career in acting, like taking it serious? Um. Well, it was. I mean towards the end of high school, you know, when I had to decide, you know, I was fortunate enough um, to be able to go to college. Uh, I, you know, I was really clear at that point that I wanted to be an actor. Um, and so I, you know, I went to Syracuse University um, and, and then I also went to London for a year and trained at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Uh, and the training at Syracuse was, it, it was great, um, but it, it didn't fully, um, it didn't fully work for me in, in that it was very, it was Stanislavski based and, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, nothing, I'm not gonna say anything bad about Stanislavski, but a lot of it was, a lot of that training was about drawing on your path to, to kind of pull up elements of your past to, that have a correlation to the scene that you're doing and then to attempt to integrate um, elements that happened you know, to me with the scene that I was doing. 
and it made it was very logical to me. Um, but I was at one point I was exposed to um, a very different uh, approach. Um, it was it, my initial shift happened when a teacher had just come back from working with this kind of wild guy in Poland named Jerzy Grotowski or Grotowski and that work uh, I really experienced what it was like to be present and to be in my body and to be um, almost like tapping into I don't know if this sounds so actory, but it's, you know, in a sense, tapping into, like, the animal part of myself that was, that had spontaneity and, um, and, and presence. And I found by just doing that work, when I would then go into these, my scene study classes, like, I, everything was available to me, and I didn't have to go into my past which felt like I was separating from the person that I was with and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I went on an um, extensive journey after college to just training with people, with directors and, and acting innovators kind of from all over the world. And outside of the U.S., a lot of the training is very physically based to kind of create, to... to have a profound connection to your body and your immediate environment um, and to create from that. And that became really, um, really interesting to me. And so that's kind of, that was like a, that's been my creative journey is really how can I, instead of create a character that I'm hiding behind, like how can I access parts of myself um, and bring that in, you know, into the work, which is much more, it's much scarier in a way because it's, it's taking away things to hide behind. Now, I want to talk to you about some of your roles, but, you know, you were just talking about the classes you take, so I want to talk about Committed Impulse, which is your training. Yes. Now, is, you know, I read your website. That's like the journey you've gone through. But were you learning when you were you like taking stock, you know, in, internally about some of the things you went through that you were figuring that one day you could maybe share with people? Uh, no, not not initially. I never intended to teach. I was just, uh, I just wanted to see how I. But I, I noticed that when I was spontaneous in my work, that everything unfolded almost effortlessly. But it felt very um, infrequent that I was spontaneous and as an actor. And I was, I, I just really wanted to see how could I, how could I bring spontaneity to my work so that I wasn't working out of my head and wasn't operating out of everything being so planned because nobody wants to see an actor do a performance that's completely planned. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I was just on a journey, a personal journey, uh, to see how I could find a way of working that was, um, that I felt really served the art form and um, and got me to a place where I was spontaneous and I was involved with a theater company in New York called Circle Rep and they knew that I had gone on this it was about a two year journey of just like finding everybody that I could um, work with I'm going to cough again because I've got allergies <laughs> thank you um, and uh, um, and at Circle Rep, they said, um, why don't you, um, I, I wanted to start directing it when I was at Circle, and they were like, why don't you train people in what you've been learning and integrate that into what you want to direct, and which was, you know, an amazing opportunity, and 
because they had a theater, they had space, um, and so I we had a group of about twelve actors, and over a period of it was thirteen or fourteen months, um, I just trained them because in you know I was just making it up, but I wanted the performance to have a sense, not to have a sense, to really actually be unfolding and creating in the moment that it was happening because I can't I, I'm just so not interested in going to the theater for example and seeing a performance where everything is lost and set and vocal intonation and they do this and that and it's like a perfect performance but it's for me it's not interesting and, and so out of this prop you know this uh, kind of exploration, I was able to get the actors to to be really spontaneous in you know in the pieces that that I was directing them, and then people started. Um, part of the deal with Circle Rep, Circle Rep was that every two or three months I would have an invited audience just to see the process, just to see where we were with it. And as a result of that, people started asking me to teach. And NYU asked me to teach. And, and I was like, I'm not a teacher. And I really fought it for a while. And then, um, and then, you know, finally I was like, okay, I'll give it, a, I'll give it a shot. And I started teaching at NYU and uh, and just found it to be um, a fan, just a like a passion that I had no idea um, that was, you know, that was in me. And, uh, you know, so I love teaching and it also, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I work as an actor, you know, pretty steadily. And so it's, it's really like almost cross pollination. Like if I learn something on set, like I bring that into my classes and, and also vice versa, like just experimenting in class, like that can feed me. So it's very, um, a lot of cross-pollination and a lot of people that take the class or, you know, working actors and they'll go work on a movie and then they come back and then, so it's a very um, it's a very creative um, collaborative and and continues to unfold, you know the, the um, what I'm teaching Now, with your teaching you know, because, you know, Committed Impulse is a very good title, because, you know committed to your impulse. I mean, it makes sense. Now, the thing uh -huh. is, for when you teach, okay, and you're teaching spontaneity, you're teaching stuff like that, how do you keep the class fresh for you personally as a teacher? Because you're teaching, if you're teaching, you know, a few different classes, how do you keep it fresh because you want it to be fun for you also? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it I mean, what you just said is, is that, like, I have to find, you know, a point of focus that I'm really that that's that I'm really interested in, in exploring and unfolding, and um, you know, so it has to be. I have to um, I have to find something that is really uh, that I'm passionate about exploring. Uh, otherwise, I just, I can't do it, um, and, you know, and I know, you know, I've trained with so many different teachers, and, you know, there's nothing worse being in a class where the teacher is, I don't know, either phoning it in or just on autopilot, or they're, you know, I've also had teachers that wanted to be actors and kind of almost have a bitterness about it and that gets, you know, split in. So it's really, um, you know, it, it almost goes back to those shows that I was talking about as a kid, like just how can, how can, it's so fulfilling to me to see people like light up and to trust creating from themselves. Um, and so it's an ongoing, you know, exploration it's really my laboratory, <laughs> and and, um, and so it's. I, I'm always coming up with you know different different ways of approaching the work. 
Now, you know, on your website, people at websites committedimpulse.com, you know, I look through and it says live classes and one's a master class. Now, master class, I'm sure, is the top class, you know, that is the people who, I don't know if they've been working a lot or what, but do people have to come up through the ranks to get to the master class? Or if someone you know or you've seen act and let's say a play shows up and goes, I want to I want to work with you, will you immediately put them in a the master class because you've seen them and you know that they have chops? It's actually, and this is probably, um, you know, some marketing that I need to, to clear up. The, the top, the most advanced class is called Advanced Lab. Advanced Lab is like, and that class, uh, you have to um, have taken at least one other Committed Impulse course and apply, and that's a course that, um, you know, that, I'm very selective with and want to make sure people have a solid basis in the training. And the master class is really the entry point um, that anybody can take. Um, so it's uh, the advanced lab is the one that requires an application. And also the advanced lab, I get into career coaching and um you know, how to use this work in terms of business, you know, dealing with the business and, and, um, and how to, how to, you know, actors, you know, there's such a, there's such a feeling of hierarchy with actors where we feel like agents, producers, directors are above us and, um, and that we have to, you know, there's this, there's this feeling that, that's, that's there, and, and it makes sense why it's there, because those people need to, you know, hire us in order so that we can work. But holding on to that hierarchy uh, does not serve actors, because it's constantly, if you, if you, hold on to that hierarchy and operate out of that, even in the subtlest way, it's, it's demeaning to oneself. And really, you know, casting directors and directors, like they want people to step up. Um, and so part of the advanced lab is to just encourage and train people to, even if they're feeling fear, even if they're feeling uncomfortable, even if they're you know, going into all their thoughts of, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, they won't like me, whatever it may be, to teach people to override that stuff so that they can take steps in their career. Now, in your career, you know, the one of the reasons I think you know, people will come to your class, and I've always had a feeling, when you see someone who has credibility, someone who is a familiar face, I think people want to work more with that type of person because, they know whatever this person can teach them, they've done, and it's doing right by them. Now, for you in your personal career, when you know when did you start getting work? I mean, were you kicking around a while? Because you know, on IMDb, your first credits in '88, and that would mean you you know you were probably late twenties, early thirties, which seems to be a late start for a working actor. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that I did prior to that. <laughs> will not show up on IMDb. Like I started doing, uh, I was was doing construction work during the day, like doing demolition of buildings, uh, and um, like literally with a hammer. Um, And then at night I was doing theater. And, um, And I was, you know, trying to get an agent. It was not, you know, it was, I was just doing, um, I was just working for free, basically, and it was a, and it was a great uh, training. And things I, I did a play off Broadway um, that I was, you know, it was like kind of a miracle that I. It was actually a showcase, which is like a non-paying gig that some producers saw and moved it off Broadway. And so that was that was a big step for me. And, and while I was in that, I auditioned for. Um, I'm not Rappaport, which is a Herb Gardner play. It was on Broadway, and and 
that was a real turning point because it was like the first time um, I was able to make, you know, I was making a Broadway salary. I was in my, I don't know, mid-20s. Um, and and so that, that was a, a real turning point. And I did the show. I did 750 performances. The show I was like, I'm not leaving. You know, the show won the Tony. And so I just stayed with it. You know, learned. I worked with Judd Hirsch and Cleavon Little and Jack Klugman and Ossie Davis. Just amazing people. And it was again, uh, you know, an amazing learning experience. And yeah. go ahead. No, no. I was going to say how much. You know, I'm just thinking about working with those masters, which they are. That must have done yeah. so much for you just to watch them. I mean, a lot of people don't understand. If you just watch someone in the craft you do, you can learn so much. A lot of people don't have the time for that. But uh, if you watch someone, especially those kind of names, it must just do so much for you just to be and just to be around that kind of energy. It's so true. And, you know, I was, you know, I was just terrified going on stage, you know, the first time, you know, with, uh, with Judd Hirsch and Cleavon Little, and they, uh, th- you know, and we just worked together for, you know, a year, and every time I came on stage, uh, they were they were just doing different stuff with me, like they were kind of messing with me, or all in character, and they were they were always different because they had this incredible with each other, like Judd and Cleavon, had this incredible, like, freedom with each other. And they were also good friends, and part of the show is about these two old men, a, you know, a black guy and a white Jewish guy, you know, kind of finding a friendship. And so they were just so loose with one another, and when I came on stage, uh, you know, they were so loose with me that it forced me to again, to let go of how I thought it should go, because if I was on a, you know, if I had set my performance, like, I'm going to go down this road and push this way, it just wouldn't have been real, and they, they just, they just enjoyed, you know, having this young actor that, you know, that they could rip with, and it taught me so much about really stepping into the unknown, which is something that our mind doesn't want to happen. Like, there's a part of our nervous system in our mind that does not want us to go into a situation where it's unknown, especially when the stakes are high, especially when, you know, there's close to a thousand people watching you. Um, But they really trained me to, you know, to be open to the nuance of what was happening. So that, again, was amazing, um, you know, amazing training. And I think, you know, a lot of my career has been just, for, for good or bad, just about learning, like just trying to get as good as I can at the craft and seeing where I can learn um, and, you know, and, and keep growing and keep kind of uncovering, um, you know, just uncovering, uh, uncovering what, you know, what this art form is. And now, now after that show ended or you left, (laughs) did you, did the show end or what happened? Oh, well, so basically while I was doing that show, I got so cocky and confident and I was, you know, and I was, like, just telling people, I'm never going to be out of work, you know? Like, I, my career, you know, I'm doing this play on Broadway, won the Tony, like, I'm, you know, I am, I'm the shit, you know? And, uh, and then the show ended, and I didn't work for almost a year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, um, you know, which was like, oh, okay, okay, it was like another lesson learned. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then I did, um, I guess, the, yeah, the first movie I did was this movie called Jackknife with um, Robert De Niro. I mean, I had, like, you know, three little scenes with Robert De Niro, who was, you know, 
title. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was amazing and also another learning experience. Um, and, uh, and then I did the Cosby show. Um, and, uh, we'll leave that, leave that one as it is. Well, I gotta, and, I gotta, uh, I gotta ask you real quick. Yeah. Sure. What was it like going on to, okay, you did a TV show and a movie after, after you did Broadway, which is every night instant gratification because you're on stage, you're working with these great people. They respect you. Right. You respect them. You basically, you're really using your acting chops. What was it like then all of a sudden working on a movie where it's a different set or working on a TV show, which is basically, you know, hey, set up, do this, do this, do this, live taping, you're out of there. Right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, just uh, an interesting, again, a learning experience when, um, you know, with working with Robert De Niro. Um, so my, I had only done theater. Uh, that was the first movie I'd done. And so, you know, the first thing is, you know, kind of do a little blocking rehearsal, you know, get like, you know, with the director, get like the sense of the scene. And then the whole crew comes and watches so that they can see how do we light it? How do we do sound? How, where's, where do we put the mics? Um, you know, set dressing. And, and so this whole crew of people came to watch, you know, the scenes. And so I just automatically spoke so loud so that the whole, just like from doing theater, like I, like De Niro would say a line to me and I would project so that everybody could hear. And then De Niro would just talk to me and then I would talk really loud and slowly, you know, it's like, it just dawned on me. It's like, oh, I just need, I only have to talk to him. I don't have to, there's going to be microphones. You know, I don't have to, um, I, ha I don't have to send it to the back row. Um, like, sounds obvious, but it was, it was like, a, it was like, oh, wow, it's just me and him. And I don't, like, there is no audience. There's no, it's just me and him. And, and I, I remember asking him because, you know, just seeing him, you know, in Taxi Driver and all these things, and it was all about, like, his process, and, you know, that, that's all I'd read about, and I said, you know, like, well, how, how did you, you know, how did you prepare for this? And, and he was like, uh, I didn't really, I, I just started doing it, you know, like, for this role, like, he was, I, I was like, you know, I was expecting this amazing answer about process, and, um, so yeah, so that that was that, and then you know working with you know with Cosby, um, which is such a loaded um, word these days, but you know he was he was also somebody you know we did we would rehearse during the week, and he was just hardly did anything like as he would read you know the lines, and he would he would just basically just say the words without any inflection. And slowly, like a perform his performance, you know, Doctor Huxtable, you know, it would just so effortlessly come out of him, and um, and then we ended up, you know, you do the show twice in front of a live audience, and again, it was a situation where in the first show he was approached it one way, in the second show he was totally different, and so um, not totally different, but it was. Um, he just brought a different spin on it, and so again, like it, you know, forced me to 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 shift and to bring, you know, and and encouraged me to bring different angles into um, into my work, you know, with him. So, so you're acting, and you're acting with two great. I mean, you know, you know, Cosby is a loaded question, but you know, there's no argument. The guy was so talented, and as a comic, and even if you go back to I Spy, you know, the guy was. You know, it was iconic. But now you're working like that, and now eventually you get you get the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, how did that come about, and was it weird because they only used your voice? Well, no, they didn't use my voice. 
it was my body and my voice. Like I was in, I was the only one that was in the costume, and it was my voice. Um, and all the other three turtles, it was one person in the costume and somebody else doing the voice. Um, I mean, how that how that came about was, um, I, you know, I got a call from my agent, and he said, okay. Um, we have an audition for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I was, I was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't connect those four words. I was, I had him. I said, "What? Wait, can you say that again?" And then, um, and then he said, "Yeah, and you're auditioning for um, a turtle." And I was like, "What?" And. Um, and so I, you know, I, I read the script and I was like, wow, this is really, this is really good. This is really fun. And so I went in uh, and, you know, I really used my, um, you know, my, my growing up in Alphabet City for that character, like just really made it very New York, like just how I was moving. Um, you know, and I was kind of, there was a, a lot of people in my neighborhood because they, everybody was trying to look bigger than they were. And so there was like a lot of people would almost like they were pushing air behind them. Like they bring it, their right hand forward and slide it back behind them and left back, and then back behind them. Like they were almost, and it was almost like, I was like, wow, that's almost like how a turtle moves. <laughs> and so I kind of integrated, you know, that into it and... You know, and that was my first audition, and I had a call back, and they said, you know, do I know any martial arts? And I used to get mugged a lot as a kid until I was about 13, and I started doing martial arts. Uh, and then after doing martial arts, nobody ever mugged me again. Um, so it's, I never used it, but just that I had that. And so I did a couple impressive-looking kicks, and... Um, you know, and then I got the part, and then they flew me to London to Jim Henson's Creature Shop, and I was body casted, um, literally um, sealed in plaster from head to toe, and with two straws in my nose. And they, I later found out that they, and you know, it was like I was freaking out inside. I was like, right. and I, and I kind of. I, you know, I remember distinctly, I just somehow came up with this image of a castle, and I just, in my mind, just walked through the castle and looked at every little detail just to, like, disengage from the panic that was going on. And they later, you know, and I could, and I was like, look at you, look at you, you know, and then I would hear these, you know, British guys kind of laughing. Um, <laughs> like a muffled laugh on the outside of the plaster, you know, and I was just going, let me out! Uh, and, you know, and then later they, you know, they told me that they kept all of us in the plaster longer than they needed to just to see, you know, how bad we would freak out because the costumes were going to be really intense. And, and the costumes, you know, they were 70 pounds. Um, <laughs> and you know, from lose five pounds, you know, easily. Um, so it was, it was grueling. Um, but and I think the fact that my physicality was so connected to how I was, you know, talking that they couldn't see uh, having somebody else do the voice. Now, what's it like to sit there and you you get a part in this movie? You're one of the leads. And but no one gets to see it. Does that hurt you getting juice in the industry? Because no, they can like your performance, but they don't see your face. It was weird. It it, it was weird because it was the biggest movie uh, of certainly of that year. And um, I remember uh, I, Lee Tilden, who plays Donatello. Um, we were and. We became really good buddies and are still good buddies. Um, we ha we were at the beach somewhere.
enough. There's a kid running around the beach with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle towel kind of wrapped around him, and he was, like, running around going, I'm a Ninja Turtle, I'm a Ninja Turtle, and jumping and just, like, having a blast. And he came by where Leaf and I were hanging out, and, and, you know, and I said, hey, we were... We were the Ninja Turtle. We were the real Ninja Turtles. And like I was Raphael, and he was Donatello. And the kid, like his face, just crumbled and like ran to his mom, you know, crying. <laughs> um, you know, just did not make sense. So it was, it yeah, it was, it was, um, it was weird. Yeah, it was, it was uh, uh, like people that knew were like, oh my god, this is amazing. Now, you've, you've worked, you know, for years constantly. When do you think your career really started getting momentum? Because, you know, you're all over the place now. And, you know, when did it start? I mean, you've been on some great shows. But when do you think your actual career started gaining the momentum that you have? You know, I, I can't really distinguish a... Um, like, I don't think I've ever had, uh, like, a, done a performance in a movie or a TV show where it was like everything shifted from that. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure how realistic that is, even though, like, the media, you know, like, likes to present, a, you know, that narrative of, like, this, you know, this made them blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, for me, it's just been, um, like, steady employment, um, you know, and, and the roles started out being, you know, one scene in a movie or one scene in a TV show to, um, and a lot of times, you know, doing those one scenes that were, uh, like, in a TV show that maybe was only intended to be, uh, you know, that character appear in that one scene in that one episode. A lot of times those things, um, because people responded to what I did, turned into um, ongoing recurring roles. That That's happened many times. Even you mentioned Stu Feldman. Like Stu Feldman the intention of that character was that he was just going to be in the pilot. And, um, you know, and seven seasons later, you know, like you said, I did a couple episodes this season, you know, do, doing a couple episodes um, every season, you know, sometimes three, sometimes one, whatever. You know, that's how the things just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's, it was just like, a mo- I don't know if there was a moment where things shifted, but it was just like a steady, a steady build and more people knowing me, trusting me, wanting me to bring, you know, my flavor. Uh, and, you know, and starting to get offers for movies and offers for, um, for TV shows. And, um, although, you know, I still about 50-50, you know, I audition for maybe half the things I do and half the things that I are, are offers. Um, well, you know so, what, yeah. you know what amazes me is, you know, you were, you, as you said, you had a bunch of episodes on the regular Law and Order, and then you're recurring on Special Victims, but you, you know, you look at the timeline, you've been involved with Law and Order for 30 years. I mean, that just blows my mind. started out, Law & Order was the only TV show in New York City, um, and uh, other than there were some soaps, which didn't interest me, um, and so, yeah, I started, you know, I, yeah, I started on that, I got, again, it was going to, you know, I thought it was going to be one episode, and it just, you know, it just kept going. 
It's amazing. I mean, Special Victims Unit is what in its twentieth year, and it just it must be cool for you to occasionally get that call out of nowhere, going, "Hey, you know what? We want to use you this week." That must be that must be a cool feeling because it's sort of like you always know you're probably going to show up once or twice in a season. Which, as an actor, that must be sort of a somewhat of a security blanket. It is, yeah. I mean, there's been times when I've been recurring on, you know four shows, you know, at once. And so it's like, oh, now I'm going to pop over here. I'm going to pop over there. And so it keeps it, um, it keeps it, you know, really fresh for me uh, to, you know, to be able to pop into these different shows. Uh, it's, it's super fun. I mean, I, I just love it. Now, another character I liked in the show I dug was uh, you were on Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And John Ailes, uh-huh. John Ailes, Liz, and Elaine have all been on my show. And, uh, and oh, really? Yeah, it was when that show was sort of going on. And I lived in L.A., so you know they came into the studio. And I right. loved that show. And it was one of those shows that, um, you know, your character was good. You know, you played a good character. It was a good show. What is it like when you're on a show that had so much talent on it? I mean, even, you know, Dennis and John, uh, John, what is it like for you when you get onto a set like that where it's just like people are cool, they, they got the chops, and the writing's good? It's, it's just the best. It's just the best. I mean, it's just, you know, it's why, you know, it's why ultimately, I think, you know, aside from, you know, somebody having a desire for fame or something like that, um, not that that's bad, but I think for most of us actors, like, why we want to do this is because of the, um, the creativity and the partnership and the trust and the sense of play and... When that all happens and you have great writing, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just what actors live for, you know, and we, we really, I think, crave creative community and, you know, this art form is all about community, you know, it's, it, it, you can't, you can't do it by yourself and, um, and it's an amazing, you know, it, it, it amazes me what has to take place for a movie or TV show to happen. It's just, it's almost a miracle, like the number of steps and sequences and people all working together, you know, for the moment when, you know, the director says action. It's just hundreds of people and endless, you know, amounts of hours go into, you know, that moment where, you know, where, where we, you know, where we do our work. And, and that, when that's all, when all the elements are there, it's just, it's so good. Now, now with Ray Donovan, as I said, I love that character because he's just such a douche. I mean, it's just, is that based on anybody you know? Or, or I mean, how did you audition for that? Did you just go over the top like your character is now on the show? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a conglomerate of, um, a conglomerate of, different people it's not like a specific person but it's like you know playing with this idea of a guy who has everything like he has all the things he's got you know the amazing studio job he's got the car he's got women he's got money he's got you know the house He's got the connection, but he has no, but none of it feeds him. Like he's desperate, you know, desperate to get fed and desperate for some internal switch to, you know, to flip so that he feels good about himself. And so because he doesn't, because like there's something in there that he's trying to feed that can't get fed, it's like that's, 
you know, that's where all, you know, like, you know, doing, I just remember doing scene, you know, doing scenes on that show, you know, with like a porn star and with, uh, you know, just, it leads him to this level of depravity, 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 however you say it, um, you know, that's just so ridiculous and, and fun. And I think it, you know, I think, I think a lot of men respond to that character because I think, you know, all of us are, you know, there's something inherent in like wanting, you know, wanting to succeed and wanting to, you know, get to the mountaintop. And this guy, you know, it's just so amusing to me. It's amusing and also maybe depressing, you know, like just, and you see it over and over again of people, you know, striving their whole lives to get something, to get the job, to get the car, to get the girl, whatever it may be. Um, and it doesn't end up uh, making any difference. You know, you're still, you're still who you are. Um, so that was like the basis of the character. And then one thing on the pilot, uh, the director said, you know, he, he knew a guy who, um, like he, he was just trying to get out of his skin. Like he couldn't settle in himself. And somehow that image was very helpful. You know, it's like he just can't, he can't get comfortable, you know? Now, <laughs> so that, that brought a lot of the physicality to it. Now, what's uh, Liv Shriver like, Liv, I don't want to pronounce it. Uh, what's he like in between takes? Because his character is so damn intense. But does he like, is he like, I mean, because he does a lot of, voice work, you know, a lot of narration. You know, he's, I've seen him in different movies where he's not the serious thing. But what's he like in between sets? Does he really try to stay in character, or is he just like, screw it, that scene's done, I just gotta kick back? Um, I mean, I've, we, we, I've known him for years, like, we were both in Scream 3, um, and so, um, you know, I, I like sometimes it. I wouldn't say he's somebody that like really tries to stay in character. Like sometimes you can't help by living in that that there's elements of that. But then there's other times where he's just like, you know, just like a like a cozy teddy bear. You know, like just a, a sweetheart and just mushy and playful. Um, so it's not like he's not, you know, he's not one of those actors that's trying to stay in character uh, by any means. Um, so yeah, no, no juicy details. No, I just, I was just wonder because he's so. I mean, the character's great. Now, so but so for 2019 yeah. though, well, it's Dallas 2020, but you were in Joker and Motherless Brooklyn. What's it like being in a high-profile movies? I mean, is it? It must be a great feeling. And it must be great crafty. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was doing, yeah. So I did, yeah, I was in Joker, Motherless Brooklyn, um, Mrs. Fletcher, an HBO series, and Ray Donovan. And all of those things were coming out at the same time. So in a, in a sense, you know, you maybe back to your question of like, what was, when did things change? I would say in the past year, things have definitely bumped up another level um but what was it like i mean i really wanted to be in joker like once i heard that you know that movie it was going to be joker with joaquin phoenix and todd phillips directing i was like uh, i just really fought to be in you know i just really wanted to be in that movie um and plus you know, I also heard, you know, they're going to shoot it like in Indy and it's going to be New York and gritty New York and the 80s kind of vibe. Um, so I was, and, and Joaquin is just somebody that um, fascinates me, um, just, just his work. And so I really wanted to um, have the experience of working with him. Um, and um, so it was you know, it was, it was awesome. And then with Motherless Brooklyn, um, I 
done a couple movies with Edward Norton, and so he offered me that role. Um, and, you know, I worked with Edward and worked with Willem Dafoe and Alice Baldwin, um, Bruce Willis. You know, it was just like, it was, it was just great. It, it, was, it was really fun to be part of um, two, you know, two big movies like that. Well, it's just great, and you've had a great year, and you're also coming up in the plot against America, which I believe Michael Kostroff is in. That uh, that's an HBO show too, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm also uh, going back on this show, Younger, um, which is kind of a fun little—not little, but it's, I don't know—in the sixth season already. Um, fun show as well. Um, but yeah, plot against America. Um, I think it's going to be mighty. I think it's going to be a, a really powerful, powerful show, you know, based on, not based on, but in reflection to everything that's going on in this country um, right now. So I think it's going to be a, a I think it's going to be a pretty rich um, series. Now, with all your work, how do you, with all your roles, how do you keep, with committed impulse. I know you probably do, I think you do online training, but does it take away from committed impulse when you have all these roles? Um, I, you know, people that take class, you know, want me to teach more than I do, but, you know, I feel like the amount that I'm teaching is really inspiring to me. Um, if I was teaching more, I don't think I would be as good a, a teacher. Um, so, you know, I tell, you know, I, I tell my students, it's on the website that if, um, if I get a job while, you know, in the midst of class, um, that I'll do my best to continue teaching if I have to miss, uh, classes that you will just get, you know, a refund, uh, for anything that I, you know, where, where I, I'm filming. Um, and, and I think, you know, I know for me, like when I was started out, like so many of my teachers were not working actors. And I was always like, what's it, what is it like? Like, what, what is it? What's the life of a working actor? And so I think people in class are always so, you know, they might be disappointed that I can't be there now and then, but they, but I think it's also really inspiring to them um, that their teacher is in the business and is working, and you know, and I'm, I just am completely transparent about what I'm learning on set. Um, you know, little stories to help, you know, to help lead the way for them when they're on on set. You know, things that will make it more. Um, make it more familiar like what kinds of things could happen or dealing with different personalities or, or dealing with you know how to get out of your head if you're all of a sudden you know in your head going like oh my god is this how is it going you know are they going to fire me you know blah 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 you know and just and tools to kind of get back into the present moment and out of you know the the hijinks that our that our minds can do. Well, that's awesome. So it, it, it works pretty. For the most part, it's pretty fluid, um, and um, yeah. Well, that's awesome, Josh. That works. I, I, yeah. I want I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to come on today. Uh, people, the website is Committed Impulse. Now, are you on Twitter? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Okay, and that's. Josh Pice? Josh Pice. At Josh Pice. J-O-S-H-P-A-I-S. Yeah. I know people, it is, real quick, I say, I go to IMD, and it's, it's, the last name is pronounced, is spelled P-A-I-S. And it's funny, because I always like to get names right, and I looked on YouTube, and I saw an interview for you, I forget what it was, and the guy called you Josh Pace to start off the interview. Right, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, oh, no, do you want to stop? Should we stop the recording? I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, let's make it part of it. So it, it probably it probably stuck in your head more that, you know, that we had fun with that moment. 
So Instagram, what what are you posting on Instagram? It's at Josh Pice, P A I S people. Pice. And what do you post? I post um, just new, a lot of nude shots of myself <laughs> uh, in front of the mirror. Um, you know, that's you know, I'm really trying to get into you know the adult industry, and I feel like Instagram <laughs> might be the you know the pathway because that part of my career is, is dormant and. You know, Instagram is a powerful medium, and I'm just hoping, you know, people in the adult industry will take notice. <laughs> people, please check out Josh's work. And if you're not watching Ray Donovan, watch it. You can see him on uh, SVU. I always call it SUV, SVU. And he's just a great actor. And so, people, check out Josh. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. There's over 770 episodes. Email me, cooper, at coopertalk.net. Follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk and follow me on Instagram at Cooper Talk One. So remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.